Bonjour. Bonsoir. Happy Valentine's Day. Joyeux Saint-Valentin, cher ami. I'm in honorable position to be next to the fabulous, extraordinaire Dr. Kate. We've had the pleasure to meet Dr. Kate at many occasions. As you know, neurologist, psychologist, psy she goes into your brain and can explain everything from attachment to chemistry to love affair and why you fall in love to everything dealing with you and another significant other. So this is going to be a fun session because Dr. Kate will show us how we react and function around this wonderful Woo! world. Woo! I got so excited the cork came out even before my sentence. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. We're here to talk about relationships today. So I hope you are ex as excited as we are. Cheers. Number 69. So, Dr. Kate, number 69, what does it make you think? That's a good way to start, isn't it? Smells delicious. Fruit forward. Sort of reminds me of my grandparents' love story a little bit. My grandfather was an actor. Uh -huh. And my grandmother went to go visit him and watch him uh, be the role, the shining star of the TV series. And he saw her in the crowd and fell madly in love. And I think this wine is one that's particular to make you stay connected to it forever and ever, just like my grandparents. Well, if I share a story, my lovely Gina, as you know, you were there in 2008 as I proposed. Gina loved bathtubs. So I had installed in our little apartment in the city as a surprise for Valentine in 2008, a bathtub, beautiful English style. And I filled the bathtub with JCB 69. It was what we call Dr. Kato bubble bath. <laughs> so it's two cases of JCB 69, so 24 bottles and the same volume, 18 liters of hot water. I waited with Gina like this, with this tuxedo jacket and she arrived, I had candles from the elevator all the way to the wonderful area where the bathtub was. She looked at me and she says, I'm coming in. And she did. And we never left for six hours. We had the food delivered in the bathtub. Aww. And nine months later, the twins were born. Here we are. Here we are. Cheers to that. So that sounds like a lot of mad passion and falling in love and intimacy and that's what we're actually here to talk about today. So Dr. Kate, how does attachment or whichever way you want to talk about it, mm -hmm. intimacy, love at first sight, coup de foudre, chemistry function? Well, in order to talk about love, we have to start with the attachment theory. And we start with that with our primary caregivers. Yes. So when your daughters were born, they obviously spent a lot of time with you and Gina. Yes. And you would take them to the park and the twins would run off and go play. And I'm sure that they actually have met them. So I know that they have secure attachment which is a healthy attachment style. And that looks like when you're a little child, you go off to the playground, you turn around a couple times to make sure that your parents are there, but you're off independently playing. As an adult, you form secure attachment and that looks like being independent, confident, knowing that you can be in a healthy relationship with your partner. You give them independence, you let them go play and do what they wanna do. And you come back with them and you're confident in the relationship that you formed. So that's secure attachment, and that's what we all are hopefully looking for. There are two forms of insecure attachment, yes. unfortunately, and we all sort of struggle with that too because we're human and imperfect. So the first one is insecure attachment 
anxious attachment. Yes. That looks like when you're a little kid, you get dropped off at the playground, and the little children that are screaming and crying, maybe holding on to their parents' legs, not wanting to let them go, they go off and independently play, but they might come back, running back to their parent and start crying again. We've seen that. Yeah, and that's normally because when the child is creating their attachment pattern with their parent, they're feeling like the parent is going through something. So maybe the parent has um, anxiety of their own or depression, or maybe the pregnancy was really tough. Maybe they're going through a divorce or changes that are really um, keeping them away from their child and creating anxiety in the environment. So as an adult, what that looks like is feeling insecure in your partnership. So feeling like when your partner leaves you, they might abandon you or feeling like you have anxiety, like that palpable feeling of butterflies, but not in a healthy way in your somatic system, your sympathetic nervous system's activated and you're feeling constantly like you maybe need to check your cell phone to see if they're going to text you. Um, And that's insecure, anxious attachment as an adult. It's kind of tricky, but you can overcome it with time and with therapy, like with someone like myself. Um, And the other insecure attachment is avoidant attachment. So what that looks like is an 18 month old runs off to the playground And they're sort of ambivalent to their parent. Um, Maybe they're not really paying attention to their parent. Maybe they do have bursts of anxiety. They'll, you know, cling to the parent, but then they run off to the playground and sort of avoid the parent in general. Mm. As an adult, what that looks like is avoiding relationships, sort of numbing the pain, feeling like you don't want to be connected. That's right. Oftentimes we see that men more often than not have avoidant attachment patterns and women have anxious attachment patterns. And then obviously both um, hopefully have secure attachment patterns. So avoidant and uh, anxious attachment are Mm -hmm. both attachment patterns that you can overcome, but you do a lot better when you end up with a securely attached partner. Fascinating. Yeah. So that's the foundation of what our love comes from, Mm -hmm. right? If you think about a human being, we're sort of like houses. Like we build the foundation of the house with our childhood and then we build the structure of it, right? So those are the life events that happen, the things that happen during your life. Um, And you know, as you spend more time with your daughters as they continue aging, how old are they now? 10. So they're 10. So they're at this perfect magical age of forming memories with you and creating experiences with you and Gina at their soccer games on the sidelines. You're instilling that secure attachment in them still, right? And they've got each other. So they're learning right now that confidently I can be secure and stable and safe because I've got my parents and I've got my sister. And that in loving relationships looks like a healthy, beautiful, flourishing relationship. Like a man and a woman who decide to fill up a bathtub with 69. (laughs) Well, let's talk more about this. So tell us about the attachment with, you know, two human beings as far as not children, but older. And how does that work? So there are a lot of things that happen (laughs) in relationships. Complex question, but we know Dr. Kate can distill it to the essence. I'll do my best. Why do people fall in love? Or why are you attracted to someone mm-hmm. specifically, right? That's the big question. So why don't Is you... it visual? Is it emotional? Is it all the senses together at once? Is it just one thing? And I don't know about you, but uh, the coup de foudre, as we call it, bolt lightning, is always phenomenal. It's, you know, that je ne sais quoi that is sometimes difficult to explain, but... <clears throat> This earthquake is happening right Mm. inside. I think what you're talking about is the brain chemistry of what happens during the falling in love or meeting someone for the first time. Do you want me to go through that a little bit? I would love to. So when we find someone attractive from across the room or, you know, you get connected with someone, you have a blind date, you sit down and immediately your adrenaline starts to kick in, right? So you find this person attractive you become engaged with them, you're interested in learning more about them. So the adrenaline sort of feels like anxiety a little bit. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but maybe when you first met Gina, you almost felt obsessive, like a little bit of obsessive compulsive thoughts about 
thinking about her and what life could be like and where traveling, what, what you could do to travel and, and create memories together, right? That's right. That's that anxiety, that pull, that drive, the spark. And that's all in our limbic system, which is our emotional and memory. And it's also in adrenaline. So this like way in which we move towards someone. Hmm. We also then have the neurotransmitter of dopamine, which yes. is our um, it's it's our neurotransmitter that creates memories. It also creates infatuation. It creates this desire and drive, that impulsivity that starts to permeate a little bit more in our brain and we become more and more attached to someone because of that. And then because I just talked about the attachment theory, we've got a specific neurotransmitter called oxytocin, yes, which is actually a neurotransmitter that we only see when we're connected to people that we love. So this neurotransmitter doesn't come out when you're passionate and meeting someone for the first time, but it, it's, it sort of starts stabilizing over time. So if you're breastfeeding your baby, oxytocin happens. Obviously, if you're engaging in intercourse, oxytocin happens. If you're creating special memories and creating intimacy with someone, then oxytocin also gets pumped into your, in your brain, in your synaptic, synapses and synaptic cleft. So, so, so we should add that to the wine. <laughs> can we do that can we add oxytocin and dopamine that would be great wouldn't it be fun <laughs> jcb69 has oxytocin in it <laughs> well we don't need it together at all it's happening no live with you dear friends That's true. so dr kate go um more into this tangent of the chemistry then so that's the analytical part that you presented so well. So it's very clear how it works. Now, how does it actually then functions? You have this first moment, this first adrenaline boost. Then what happens within the minds? Huh? So the very intellectual level. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing, if you talk to anyone who is looking for a significant other, they probably have a list like a 10, 10 strategy list of things they're looking for in a significant okay. other, right? Like they're, they're non-negotiables, if you will. So when you meet someone that matches the criteria of what you're looking for, for example, let's pause there. What yes. were you looking for when you were looking, when you met Gina? Well, uh, I may be unusual because I don't make lists. I don't have ah. checklists. I'm a very emotional, spontaneous, sensory driven person mm -hmm. so i've never in my life said i want to meet this woman of those hair colors and mm -hmm. this background for me you know life has always been lived as i live it and i live it and what comes through life and with life and thanks to living life the way i live things come mm -hmm. but i never have worked through checklist i never have worked through you know, typical profile that I wish uh, I encounter. Because often when you do that, you get surprised that what you may have drawn, actually, you attract the opposite and you attract it with the opposite. So, you know, I've never functioned this way. Many friends of mine have, mm -hmm. and I've been the most surprised mm -hmm. by the people sometimes that I thought, I was not necessarily at first attracted by. Mm -hmm. It was not the case with Gina. You know, literally those blue eyes got me in immediately and the temptation was there and uh, love at first sight, coup de foudre really happened. Yeah. But is it how you function yourself? You make a checklist? Well, I think similarity Yes. I, I know, actually, that similarity is something that most people are craving and desiring and, and looking for in a partnership, right? Because if you're going to be spending a lot of time with someone, yes. you need someone that you can engage in conversations that are meaningful and enjoyable, 
the connectivity and the connection needs to feel enjoyable, authentic, exciting, right? Um, you've got to have similar interests and you also need to want to be spending time with them. So yes. with you and Gina, maybe you weren't, you didn't have a checklist, but you certainly met her and had so many things in common yes. that the similarities really drew you towards one another. But do they always attract or opposite attracts? So uh, I've had many wonderful relationships in my life of someone on the total other side of my school of thoughts of my beliefs, of, you know, my background or my aspiration. Mm -hmm. And the relationship was, in addition to what you just said, quite miraculously fantastic. Mm -hmm. That... Opposite attracts. Opposites do attract sometimes, right? And if you think about it, every human being that we are privileged to come in contact with, whether it's a romantic relationship, which we're staying on topic, so for that... You know, you, you meet many different partners in your life and every single person is the opportunity to grow, learn something about yourself, learn something new. And so I think when you create a relationship with someone that is completely opposite of you, you get to learn a lot of things that you maybe had no knowledge about before. You get to expose yourself to certain things that maybe you weren't aware that you liked uh, within yourself and That's you get right. to grow. And I think at the end of the day, life is all about the evolution of growth and becoming, right? So when we have new partners and new romantic relationships, we get the opportunity to do just that, to really expand within ourselves and then to also expand within the companionship that you gain. That's right. So Dr. Kate, talking about this, we need to finish this glass. I know it's a big one for you, okay. but I know you'll do it. <laughs> Dr. Kate has an immaculate taste. She collects JCB. Reminder, that's how we met. And it was a phenomenal, instantaneous, intellectual connection, which I'm so pleased we did because I'm learning so much. So remember, too, anyone can reach out for Dr. Kate. You know, you have her information and she advises, you know, top you know, entrepreneurs, athletes, uh, phenomenal people that I know that are really seeking, as we should all have in many ways, that assistance in life. Mm -hmm. And as we're going to go back to love, as you finish your glass, yes, sir. we, you know, don't we all need guidance? And I know I'm going off topic, but we'll go back yeah, in topic. Uh, you know, I see, so... Every human that I work with, regardless of what they are coming to see me for, they're typically also dealing with relationship issues. And we all go through our own relationship with ourselves, right? Which is the most important one. Right. Building that self-esteem, creating our self-schema and self-concept. That is like, the, again, the foundation of who we are. When we have that as our best foot forward, we can then find a partner that's sort of running at the same pace and cadence as us in life. And we can really find the best version of a partner for ourselves. So a lot of times what I do with my clients is make sure that they are taking care of themselves yes. and creating really from the inside out who they want to be so that whether they're already partnered or not, once they enter a relationship or when they're in a relationship, they're better serving their partner too. And That's right. you know, like we all crave love. We all, we, we are born out of our mother's bellies and we create connection and we need a network of human beings to keep us alive. It's yes. the biological basis of behavior. And then love motivates and drives all of us. You know, if you think about it, the, the Taj Mahal, for example, was built for his 14th passionate lover that he was obsessed with. And that yeah. beautiful building over in India is one of the largest, most amazing creations we've ever had. So, right. you know, like so much. Love allows us to do anything. Yes. There's yes. only love. What's the Beatles song? So, Dr. Kate. We're going to go now to Chardonnay, to another style of wine, Wattle Creek. Okay. And the symbol of Wattle Creek, um, I love this winery because it's all about transformation. It's all about the butterfly. Yeah. How we born differently, as you can see, of different colors, of different mode, of different vibration. And the butterfly is a great little creation of nature because it starts as one form and then evolves. And then for a few hours agitate the wings and then suddenly you become 
that gorgeous thing. Mm -hmm. How do we transform and seek within ourselves this inner sense of loving, being more loving at large, just not altruistically, but emotionally. Many people I know in the world we live in have a hard time going deeper. And I don't want to go necessarily yet to vulnerability, but to, you know, the boundary of allowing yourself to love, allowing yourself to fall in love, allowing yourself to fall seduced. Because a lot of us live in the rhythm of business or transaction mm -hmm. or a processed life, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So would you please um, recommend to us in this time of Valentine, whether we have a Valentine or you don't, or you will, all of us will have one, and all of us have one subconsciously anyhow. Mm -hmm. So I know it's, a, it's maybe a long answer. It's a big question. Mm -hmm. So please tell us. Well, I think, I mean, what a beautiful symbol, first of all, the butterfly coming, you. you know, coming out of the cocoon and becoming and being this beautiful vision of elegance and grace. And it's the, um, the lifespan of a butterfly is so limited, right? That's but right. it's such a beautiful gift and privilege when we get to see them as human beings. And some relationships are like that, if you think about it. You know, yes. some of the relationships that we form are fleeting and very beautiful and we either lose someone because they've they pass away or we get disconnected but every single one of the relationships that we have forms and is this beautiful magical space of opportunity to grow and to become that's right when you think about to grow and to become yeah thank you for stressing that yeah very very important when you think about your daughters, I keep going back to them because yeah. on Valentine's Day, you know, the, the, the opportunity to be a parent is the ultimate love, I would say. Maybe maybe you disagree with me. No, of course never. It's just so special. How could I disagree with my doctor? <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you think about who they are becoming, like you're getting to watch them yes. blossom and grow and become vibrant and like transform into their own little colors of life. When you think about who they are, what do you want for them mm -hmm. in the spirit of love? That's right. Well, to love unconditionally, to be embracing the world, to be uniting the world, which they are, to be uh, non-judgmental uh, and to be have a good understanding of who beings are mm -hmm. but to be embracing any culture any religion any skin color which they really are they don't even notice people's mm -hmm. skin color in many ways which is fabulous and to be those phenomenal loving individual that have a good understanding of who they are but at the same time are very curious so if you would ask my number one wish and my wish of love is curiosity. What attracts me in someone is the fact that I keep wanting to go further and get to know further and get to be tempted to discover and learn from someone as well. Mm -hmm. So for my, you know, humble personal view of not only my daughters, but myself, curiosity has always been my number one attraction someone who is curious mm -hmm. and someone who is always willing to learn more and to look at the world in a different perspective. So what I'm hearing you say is that... Oh, good doctor answer. <laughs> Qualifying question. The, the greatest wish that you have for your daughters and yes. for yourself is this unconditional acceptance. Yes. This space of... Well said unconditionally accepting everything that they interact with, yes. every human they see, every place they go to, and also being willing to expand. That's right. And that's back to that growth and evolution and development of becoming, right? So you wish for them 
that they're constantly seeking more, yes. constantly growing and evolving and, and having this opportunity to unconditionally accept themselves and everyone else around them as they sort of float through time and space. That is really what we want in the most healthy partnerships, if you think about it, right? If you think about these partnerships of falling in love and having them be long lasting and creating, you know, like if you think about who do I want at my bedside when I'm passing away? It's the people that have loved me unconditionally, regardless of my highs and lows, my strengths and weaknesses, who have created a space of curiosity with me, who have gone through the waves of life and we've evolved together and learned new things and curated new opportunities. But at the end of the day, they're still there next to me, right? That's right. unconditional space of acceptance is something that every human being really needs. And I think that that is the foundation of a really healthy partnership and Mm. love and, and love for your children as well. So what is falling in love and why is the expression is a fall? Why it's not a rise? I've always questioned. Oh, that's a great question. For me, as love comes, the adrenaline, as you referred to, goes up. I love the rise, the fall is exciting with excess, but has a connotation that is different. So I've always questioned tomber amoureux, tomber en amour. In French, it's the same. In Italian, the same. I've always wondered, doctor, can you explain us that? The fall. rise of love. The rise of love. Well, I explained the, the brain chemistry at length. So the some of the things that are important to us are similarity. So that is kind of what I touched on a little bit ago, which is the connectivity, the similar thing, interests and engagements that we like. The other thing is obviously physical attraction, right? So being attracted to the gestalt of someone or something that they do, or, you know, it might even be an opposite of what you're typically attracted to, but something in there that's either inspirational or desirable, or you find exhilarating and passionate and exciting. And then also, you know, for you and Gina, for example, yes. What is it that you needed from her? What is it that you found when you were falling in love with her that you all of a sudden needed? Well, for me, I was very fortunate to find a muse, an inspiration, a challenging, phenomenal balance that allows me to be who I am and at the same time engage into being inspired to being who I always think I could go Mm. without necessarily knowing what it is. And I really recommend that in in partners. Yes, that's the question I wanted to ask you is from physical to intellectual. How long can a physical purely relationship last? Mm -hmm. You know, sexual, transactional, boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. To emotional to then intellectual. And how do you, Dr. Kate, uh, help us to think about the different sequence of that? Because... I really believe in life, as I've seen with my grandparents, 75 years of wedding anniversary that we we did. My parents, 65. My in-laws, same. You know, as we see those long relationships, my parents specifically, phenomenal, but major ups, major downs, as we all do. But there is the brain, which which is your specialty, that really helps us to to keep it together. So can you walk us through the sequence of that? So you have fatal attraction. (gasps) Dr. Kate, I want you now. This is it. (gasps) And we have it on the sofa here and it's insane. But then Dr. Kate says, okay, Jean-Charles, intellectually, you don't, you know, necessarily stimulate me as much as I'd like. It was fun. We had a great time. And then you move on. So there's that, that, and that. Can you walk us through that process? Absolutely. And We sort of touched on this in our last JCB Live, but I want to bring it back up because it's completely relevant to love and relationships. So what you're talking about are the different forms of intimacy. That's right. So as we, just to do a little, you know, brief backpedal, we talked about the four forms of intimacy. So there, when you're thinking about intimacy and connectivity, you've got intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, 
um, experiential intimacy and then sensual slash sexual intimacy. So in order to have a healthy, thriving relationship, you need all four of those. You also need positive communication and you've got to figure out how to effectively work through conflict because conflict yes. will arise regardless of how wonderful the relationship is, right? So when you're looking at conflict, some of the best models for working through conflict are making sure that you use active listening skills, which are your ability to give the space to the yes. other person, tune solely into their experience, what you like, you just described to me all of these issues that you were interested in, right? And so I need yes. to give you the floor. Yes. And then respond inten intentionally. Yes. So that's active listening. Mm -hmm. And then when you're disagreeing with someone, you know, you've got to give the person space. You've got to give them their opportunity to go and problem solve on their own. Problem solving and solution focused conflict resolution is something that as as couples, people have to do constantly. Yes. You've got to get really good at deciding that problem solving is something that you can do independently and then come back together and focus into a solution oriented space with one another. And then the other thing about conflict and conflict resolution is you've always got to be in that space of returning to a happy ending, if you will. Because if you think about relationships, yes. we are always in this battle with ourselves of having a good day, a decent day, a tough day, right? Like you have your own relationship with yourself consistently going up and down. And then your partner does as well. Yes. So you've got to be able to consistently be tracking that person and make sure that you can honor them, give them space, and then return to them when you're ready and connect. So why was Valentine created? That's a great question. Do you know that answer? Well, you know, as you just explained all this, I think and believe and sense always we need a moment in time where we focus on a given topic as human being from your brain, your mind, your preparation of it, that one is love. Mm -hmm. You know, we know the history of Valentine and you can all verify it. So we won't go into this, but you know, we have created a time for love. I would love for us to create a time for what is my favorite opera, La Traviata. So it's seduction then love, then glory, then success, and in between is passion. Mm -hmm. So what about if we were to say, we're redoing the calendar, <laughs> Dr. Kate, and instead of just the month of February 14, we create every month an occasion to be emotionally attached to something. So what I wanna work on this year is from today, February 14, Valentine, is every month having something for the other. Why waiting a year? Mm, that's such a great point. Time, as we know, is a man-made construct, right? Yes. And as human beings, we have to stop time and connect, right? That's why we create things like weddings or... Um, birthdays, right? Like we we have we crave this space of stopping time, yes, so that we can be more intentional. Yes, and I think what you are saying ultimately is you would love to see more intentionality. Yes, in how we connect with people that we love. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful that we, you know, even though this is a hallmate hallmark um, holiday. And it might be tough for some people because if you don't have a Valentine this this holiday, there's a lot of stigma around that. But at the same time, you know, you can turn that stigma around and decide that it's a self-care day for yes. yourself. That's right. And you can also look around you and and explore all of the different types of loves that you have, whether it's your animal or your coworkers or this passion that you have. I think it's really important to remind ourselves that love comes in so many different forms. And I also think back to your point that it's really, really important that we do continue to stop time and yes. create that man-made construct of life event 
that connects us back to the pulse in which we are motivated for living and existing because otherwise we're sort of just in this subconscious process of go mode as human beings and we don't stop and connect and say this is what i value this is what's meaningful this is what's important to me do we as you finish your glass because dr kate we're gonna have to have pino it's valentine better hurry up pino is romantic um how do you recommend that we leave the consciousness and spend more time in the subconsciousness so i'm a deep believer of certain psychological school of thoughts that you know who I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. And I really believe, dear friends, in, and many of you would say, you're building movies or theaters in your mind, or which I do a lot. I love to create in my mind the world I aspire to or different worlds that I want to live in or different ideas. I love, that's why I love Fellini or Antonini, those great movie producers that I've Mm -hmm. created. Eight and a half, Roma, La Dolce Vita. You know, and I was mentioning not, you know, intentionally, really, La Traviata as an example, as a sequence. So how do you recommend we bounce between two and we allow ourselves to spend enough time into that non-conscious world? What you are talking about, that non-subconscious slash unconscious world, is really our own love affair with ourselves. That's right. Right? Is it? I think so. I mean, it's that space that nobody else gets to witness, except for probably me, because I'm a a psychologist. So I get the privilege of seeing that. But it is the space where we drive our own reasons for the places that we want to exist in. Right. And when you give yourself permission to do things that create that internal vibration of excitement and joy, like maybe listening to music or jumping in the bubble bath and disappearing from the world or going for a run, you know, a lot of um, physical activity will create that that internal drive and space of joy, those those places where you're tapping into yourself, yes. you're giving yourself the moment to be on a, a first date with yourself, right? You, you give yourself permission to fall back in love with yourself. You give yourself permission to explore and, and find the vibrancy that the pulse and meaning of why you want to keep going. And I think for most successful people, they go into that space a little bit more yes. than people that are in the vibrancy or the vibration of other people's needs for them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to clear off your calendar and give yourself space. Just, to, just as important as it is for you to take Gina on a date or show up to the girls' soccer game, mm-hmm. it's important for you to detach and connect to that subconscious. And as you're finishing your glass, yes. Dr. Kate... What a great discussion. How do you detach yourself? And I'll tell you how I do I do it. I personally love music. I love because I work with people all day and listen yeah. to their stories and take it in. Uh, the last thing I want to do when I'm relaxing is listen to other people talking. So I like to listen to music and transpose myself. Um, I also love physical activity. So going on runs, I call my running time, my, my business meeting with myself. And I think that's where a lot of creativity happens for me when I have the endogenous hormones pumping and my cortisol or anxiety level sort of starts to deplete. And I give myself permission to just go roam free on the planet. Um, And another thing for me is travel. I, just as you were talking about hoping that your daughters get to go explore the world and, and Mm -hmm. unconditionally accept and love it. I I love being in that space where I'm so insignificant and no one in a community and culture, but still getting to exist there. So that is where I find myself in the best version of myself. What about you? Well, all of the above, as you, of Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. from the physical activities to the business meeting with yourself when you do sports and activities. Lately, you know, I, I find myself loving not to sleep. But as I go to sleep, closing my eyes and escaping into all those different worlds that I want to do and that I want to experience. And often I get up and take notes 
because I don't want to forget it. And so it's it's a phenomenal experience uh, from the moment I lay to the moment I actually sleep. There's probably sometimes two or three hours happening. So do I effectively sleep three or four? Maybe sometimes less. Uh, but I love it because it's a time somehow that the peace around me is such that I encourage the thoughts of unlimited, boundless imagination. Mm. And that's what I love. Mm. So in terms of another topic I'd love for us to, to touch on briefly is... Do you want me to tell you about the brain? Absolutely. In, in the sleeping process really yes. quickly? And cheers, by the way. Pinot Noir, Waddle Creek. Dear friends, we back in the Russian River. The romantic wine, we all know Pinot Noir, is the tete-a-tete wine. Mm. Mm. Dr. Kate, voila. Voila. So what you are talking about is the full REM cycle of sleep, right? So we go through a space of consciousness to subconsciousness to unconsciousness when we are in the beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves of sleep. And then we go through the REM sleep cycle. It lasts about 110 minutes. Hmm. And when you come back up from that, you either continue sleeping and you go through another 110 minute cycle of the delta waves, which is like unconscious to the REM cycle, which is like that dream state Mm -hmm. where you have flaccid paralysis and your body won't even move. You feel like if you get aroused or woken in that state, you normally feel like you're sort of a prisoner to your body. But that's when the dream cycle happens. Mm. So when you were describing your sleeping and and waking up and having to write down all of these thoughts after like three to four hours, that to me sounds like going through one or two waves of REM cycle in our REM and non-REM cycles as human beings, in, in my professional experience, I think most of the time our brains are trying to make sense of something. Yes. So we've started to create something in the un or subconscious mind, but we haven't quite formed it to fruition. So when you're sleeping, you're doing that, right? You're creating that bridge, that, that, that formation and that gives you the opportunity to then wake up and write it down and come up with all the creativity that's in this room and everywhere else that you have created in Napa and and everywhere else so so thank you this is so how many waves do we actually need if I could sleep only 110 minutes I would be thrilled. (laughs) Just give me one cycle. Would that be enough? I mean, most medical doctors, which is not what I am. I'm a trained neuropsychologist. But um, most medical doctors say that about seven hours is good. However, I will say as a clinician that most of my most creative, successful clients that I have ever worked with sleep about four to five hours at best. I'm feeling better. I haven't encountered success yet, but hopefully we'll find it somewhere. So, doctor, a topic we haven't never talked about together. I recently watched a phenomenal YouTube video of David Lynch. And we experienced with that video transcendental experiences, which has been a very big deal in the surrealist era of all the artists. Mm -hmm including a lot of his movies, including a lot of what Fellini and many others uh, have produced. Can you guide us there, transcendental love, and that, you know, level where we can get And I know it's an abstract question. Well, my question to you is... What do I mean by this? No, (laughs) my question to you is, thank you. How many people in the world do you really think have experienced transcendental love? I'm going to surprise you with the answer. Okay. Probably all of us without knowing it. And why is that your answer? Well, because we don't know necessarily what that is within the curves of of what love is. Mm -hmm. I think there's a form... I think we, we, through Valentine and that beautiful heart and the romance and the rose and the red rooms and 
the beautiful Pinot and what we imagine of love. And, you know, when you evocatively think of love, you think of that heart. But love is so much more than this. And it at so many different scales and levels. Mm -hmm. It's not just holding hands and walking on the beach and looking at the beautiful horizon. <laughs> I mean, if it was just love, it's a simplistic view of it. Right. So I feel through what you just explained so well from the childhood to today, we somehow have experienced it all. But mm. what is to you transcendental love? I think it is ultimately finding your soulmate, whatever yes. that definition is to you, yes. or soulmates. I think that you can have more than one. I think soulmates come in many different forms. Mm -hmm. I think they can come in the pets that show up at your doorstep or the children that you are privileged to raise or people that you come in contact with that, you yeah. know, create all types of new spaces of growth for you. But I, I think ultimately that is what we are looking for as human beings is a space of feeling unconditionally accepted, yes. having space to grow and develop, having freedom to be independently and authentically ourselves and to be accepted in yes. that space by our soulmate. And I think that is what transcendental love is. Hmm. That's my personal and professional opinion. And subconscious love, you said it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Conscious love, subconscious love. I think conscious love are, is the behavioral choice That's that right. we make, right? Like the, the partner contract, the marital agreement, if you will, of the things that are acceptable and not acceptable for yeah. you and your partner. I think the subconscious love is that space of romance and passion and the chemical changes in your brain and yes. the intimacy that we crave, the vulnerability, which is that space of sort of allowing ourselves to become undone and being gifted the privilege of harming someone else, our partner, right? right? but at the same time hoping that they won't because we're bridging that gap of, of a space of intimacy. So an area I would like to go back to mm -hmm. because it's a fascinating discussion, dear friends, and I know we're keeping long on such a great day, but this could be enjoyed at all time. You know, you don't have to watch <laughs> it tonight. Uh, go back to chemistry. We obviously today are playing with chemistry at all level. I'm the least knowledgeable on this topic. I'm the only one maybe in this world who's never done any drugs of any forms, any cigarettes of any forms, mm -hmm. any tobacco of any forms, anything, frankly. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine for anyone here, but it's true. Mm -hmm. However, brain chemistry manipulation is an enormous trend in over-the-counter, in uh, prescribed medicine. Yes. So would you guide us? Because this is fake love. This is fake passion. This is mm. fake this. This is fake that. Or this is influence. So, Well, with individuals that, that need, feel like they need medication, right? Yes. You are adding in neurotransmitters that, that maybe your brain doesn't make. Okay. Right? I, I, so it's a complement. It's an add-on. Yes, it's an add-on, exactly. Okay. Um, and oftentimes, if you think about it, like when you first fall in love with someone new, yes. it's that add-on, right? Yes. Because over time, you don't feel that same way, right? So it, just like if you take a psychotropic medication, like an SSRI, you will feel the rush and the help immediately, but then it sort of decompensates or dissipates in a way. And that is really the human condition, right? We get used to something or accustomed to something and we sort of accept it and we grow with it. And then all of a sudden it doesn't connect with us the way that it once did. Yes. That's okay. You know, it's sort of our, it's an expectation of a healthy functioning individual to keep moving forward and find other avenues that keep them passionate, that keep them consistent with showing up for their own lives. Hmm. So how do you recommend that we deal with this situation when we know there's indeed, or you know, there's indeed a deficiency in the brain chemistry and you build that compensation without 
making it an addiction? I think most <laughs> of the time when there is maybe a neurochemical imbalance, it's actually because there's actual an actual cognitive imbalance in the human being. Yes. So I truly believe, obviously, because I'm a clinical psychologist, that working with a clinician is your best option. I see. Because you need to get back to that foundation of who am I, and you need to fall back in love with yourself. And that looks like perspective shifting and giving yourself the opportunity to evaluate how you've been thinking about yourself, the behaviors that you've been yes. choosing, the emotions that are connected to that. And then as a clinician, what I do with my clients is say, how is that serving you any purpose? Is that really your concrete truth? What can we perspective? shift here to make sure that you are falling back in love with yourself and how do we create change so that you are the best version of yourself because you only get to be yourself in this lifetime once, That's right. right? So, so you bring it back to yourself because yeah. I was going to ask the other question, dear friends, and it's away from the themes of the day maybe. If you use an example of a human being and you say, I'm meant to be this, but I'm not this and I'm as we all know, and maybe it's a very challenging comment I'm gonna make, we're not born equal. Mm -hmm. And some of us are very different and it doesn't have to be equal. That's why I hate this expression because what is equality? We born different yeah. and I think that's the beauty of it. Differences is what makes the world such a great place. Mm -hmm. So within that, you have an example of a being, you wanna be that person. So you analyze as a doctor that you are a deficiency versus the average, versus what you know. And the person wants to get there, but it's not meant to get there because you're born in a way that you're meant to be. So why wanting to go there and taking the person there when you know it's not where he or she should be? Well, what you are talking about are the strengths and weaknesses of the human condition. And this probably should be our next topic. Ah! We've introduced our next topic. <laughs> uh, you're also talking about behavioral contracts with yourself mm -hmm. you're talking about the transition of a transformation of your self-image and self-esteem building and confidence building and i think those are all things that you can tweak and mold we are not all born equal we all have different characteristics and strengths and weaknesses that pull at our heartstrings that create the opportunities for life success and and we all value different things and so i think those different values start to change us as well but again i think this is a topic for an entirely different jcb live <laughs> so what would be the title of that live Ooh, that's a great how to be the best version of you i love it confidence and and skill building as a human being I adore it. So, dear <laughs> friends, will you come and see us and be with us? I think that's going to be our next topic with Dr. Kate. And another one topic that I'd love and you giving me shivers of wanting to talk about it. And you know who in the world of psychology I refer to is the idea of essentialism and existentialism. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a great topic with a doctor, not just a philosopher to talk about, so Dr. Kate can allow us to go within into the chemical structure of our brain and who we are mm. and allow us to really, from our build out, get to a point of rational understanding of what that dialogue of the two is. Mm -hmm. Would you be ready to do that too? Absolutely. We have multiple dates. <laughs> you see, we're connecting on a cerebral level. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was absolutely my pleasure to be here and to spend Valentine's Day with you. And I hope that whether you are partnered and magically in love today or falling in love with yourself, that you have a phenomenal time in stopping and transforming a life event and creating a moment where you pit stop and, and focus on love just for today. Love is everything. Cheers. Goodbye.